Hello and welcome to COS Live. You can watch the original video broadcast live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern. Visit conventionofstates.com slash pod to learn more. And now, here's COS Live. Hello, COS supporters, and welcome back to another edition of COS Live. My name is Andrew Lush. I will be your host for this episode, and I'm joined by my co-host, Rita Peters, who is also the Senior Vice President for Legislative Affairs. Rita, great to be back with you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm excited about our program. I can't wait for our viewers to see the videos that we're going to show today. And, you know, if you're out there watching us, drop us a note, drop us a comment, let us know where you're tuning in from. It helps us to be able to feel connected to our audience. Absolutely. And please go ahead and send out a uh, send out a share as well. We need to grow this program and bring more awareness. So send out a retweet, a share, a like, a rumble, wherever you're tuning in from. This is a secret weapon that was gifted to we the people, and it's time that we use it. We just got to make it aware to more people. So send this out on social media. It's one of the ways that we help bring awareness and grow this program. So we got a great show lined up, Rita. We're going to be talking about some legislators who are statesmen in the modern era. I can't wait to talk about that because right now we, we feel like there's not many statesmen out there. They're hard to find, but really the truth is there are statesmen. They're typically in your state legisl legislature though, and the media and many other people don't pay attention to them because they don't have the same uh, elevation, I guess you could say, that maybe people in Congress have, but they are just as much statesmen as anyone else. So we're going to be rolling through a few different videos that we have of some of the great COS supporters and statesmen from 2022 on doing floor debates in favor of our COS resolution. So what does peaceful res uh, uh, revolution look like? We're also going to show you some of the latest photos from across the country showing you vast grassroots army engaged in the fight for liberty, attempting to reclaim self-governance in America. But before we get to both of those, we have our Article 5 trivia giveaway with COS Vice President Mike Ruthenberg. Mike, over to you. Hello, Rita. Hello, Andrew. Two of my favorite COS people. Thanks for inviting me and having me here to do COS trivia again. Glad to be here. Today's giveaway is going to be a little bit different. Oh, yeah, I got it back here. And this is one of my favorite shirts, the Great American COS shirt. It's got the flag. It's got the logo. We're going to give you one of these shirts in your size. Love the Army Green. If you're the one who answers this question first, if for perchance you really want one of those shirts and you don't win it, just go to shopconventionofstates.com and you can get the shirt. You can get the mug I drink out of every day, the Tyranny Never Sleeps mug. There's so many cool things that you can use to talk about and to walk with Convention of States. So go to shopconventionofstates.com and get something if you don't have something already and you'll be really excited to be able to be sporting that. So here we go with today's trivia, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the, well, let me back up a little bit. Instead of talking about what Rita and Andrew are going to cover beautifully, our unheralded statesmen, which are state legislators, let me give you our question. First of all, here's some background. On September 25th, 1789, Congress used Article 5 of the convention. Remember, there's two parts. They used the first part the Congress ability to amend the Constitution to propose what would later be dubbed our Bill of Rights. 
that's an important consideration. And many of you know the story. So I think a lot of you will have this answer. Some of you maybe not. But the question is, how many articles or amendments that did Congress send out to the states for ratification? Remember, nothing is a, truly an amendment until it gets ratified by the states. How many proposals were sent out to the states for ratification? And I will be back. Hint, it's different than the number of amendments that came ultimately to become known as the Bill of Rights. But I'll be back a little bit later to share the answer. Now back to you guys for what I am sure will be a great show. Thanks, Mike. We are going to be talking today about some of the great legislative speeches that we have seen this year. Uh, we're going to be walking through why these people are statesmen and how they have really helped the COS cause and how they are helping, how they're really uh, statesmen in this fight for liberty. Um, again, the COS resolution is so important. It calls for restraining the federal government. There's three subject matters that is, in, that, that is part of our, uh, our resolution. It's restraining Congress's ability to spend limiting the terms of office and putting Congress back in that, putting the federal government back in that constitutional box that it was supposed to be in and giving power back to the states and we the people. So we have a few that are lined up today. Rita, I'd like to get your reaction on all of these. The first one that we're going to be looking at is from uh, Senator Bittleman from Wyoming. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring you uh, Senate Joint Resolution Number 2, Convention of States. This is a uh, joint resolution requesting Congress to call a convention for proposing amendments to the United States Constitution. Um, typically, we see resolutions that just proclaim we're, we're thinking a certain way or we want to see something happen. Well, this resolution actually does something. It's part of our constitutional process. There are two ways we can amend the Constitution in the United States under Article 5. Every way we've done it so far, all 27 amendments have been through Congress. Uh, Article 5 also provides another avenue for the very situation we find ourselves in right now. And that is when we have a runaway Congress and a runaway judiciary and a runaway executive branch in Washington, D.C. The states can get together and bypass Congress and get together and propose amendments to the Constitution and that's what this bill does. So ladies and gentlemen, I'll walk you through the bill. Pages one through two, we have our whereases. We can read those to ourselves. The meat of the bill is on page two, section one. This is the call for the convention of states to propose amendments. This is what uh, 15 other states have done. This language is identical to their call. It takes uh, 34 states to, uh, to get this thing going. Section one, the legislature of the state of Wyoming hereby applies to Congress under the provisions of Article five of the Constitution of the United States for the calling of a convention of the states limited to proposing amendments to the Constitution that impose fiscal restraints on the federal government, limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government and limit the terms of office for its officials and for members of Congress. Now, when I first voted on this, my freshman year in the House in 2017, our national debt was $19 trillion, and it was unfathomable at that time. And we heard the, the gnashing of the teeth and the crying and the crying about uh, run away this, run away that, uh, this thing can't be controlled, we can't do this. 
there's got to be a better way. We got to elect better people. So we did. We elected what we thought were the right people. Here we are, 2021. $28 trillion is the national debt today. $28 trillion. We are on the wrong track, ladies and gentlemen, and this thing is not going to fix itself. Burying our heads in the sand and hiding from this problem is only going to make it worse. The longer we wait, the worse it's going to get. It's already gotten worse in my short time in office, and we can't do this to our children. We cannot. We cannot let this country continue on this course to ruin. Our federal government is absolutely overstepping its boundaries with the aid of the Supreme Court. So in order to get these, these uh, branches of government and restore federalism to this country, I believe an Article 5 Convention of States is the method to go. I think it's safer than nullification. We can do both at the same time, but we have to do something. We cannot just sit here and keep kicking the can down the road. What did you think about this speech? Well, Andrew, this is Senator Bo Biteman, who has been a great uh, champion for us in Wyoming. I What I love about the speech is that he first lays out the problem. You know, the problem is we have a runaway federal government. It's a great description, sums it up in a few words. That's the problem. Then he talks about the three areas of amendment proposals that we would have at a convention of states called pursuant to our resolution. And those three, of course, are imposing fiscal restraints on the federal government, limiting the power and jurisdiction of the federal government, and setting term limits. And those are the three things that we need to do to stop a runaway federal government. So what I love about Senator Biteman's presentation is just how clear it is. He makes it really clear and understandable for people who are sitting in that chamber and may be hearing about this really for the first time or having it explained for the first time. Great job, Senator Biteman. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought it was excellent as well. I like that he worked in how it's a workaround Congress. I always love hearing that because it's, it's something that's driven by we the people and state legislators within their state legislature. So I did like that, that he brought that in as well. Uh, okay, the next one we have, Rita, this one's from West Virginia. It's Representative Chris Pritt. I rise in support of this resolution. What this resolution does is it allows us to apply for a, a convention in which West Virginia would have a say in constitutional amendments. And these constitutional amendments would re relate to putting restraints on the federal government term limits and putting fiscal restraints on the federal government. There's several reasons why I rise in support of this resolution. This is perhaps one of the most important votes we will take as legislators. We have an out of control federal government. We have a bureaucracy that routinely acts contrary to the interests of the American people. We have an expanding bureaucracy. We have politicians in Washington that serve basically as long as they want to. And for these reasons and many others, we need to put some brakes on the power and authority of the federal government. Now, one point I want to make is 
uh, one of the reasons why we need to put restraints on the power and authority of the federal government when it comes to uh, the decisions that they make. Now, one of the most uh, significant provisions of the U.S. Constitution is the Commerce Clause. Now, this is perhaps the one part of the U.S. Constitution that has been abused the most. The Commerce Clause has been expanded to such an extent that there are basically no limits on what the federal government can do for all practical purposes. Uh, one case that I will reference is one that uh, came up during the Depression. During the Great Depression, there was the case of, uh, um, of uh, Filburn, Wicker v. Filburn. And in this case, essentially what happened was is the, uh, the Roosevelt administration and Congress pushed through what was known as the Agricultural Adjustment Act. And as part of this act, essentially what the federal government did was is they put limits on how much wheat a person could be produced, could actually be produced. Now, uh, a guy by the name of Philburn, he challenged this law. And as part of the challenge to this law, uh, he said, look, there's no reason to be putting any limits on how much wheat I produce because uh, a lot of the wheat that I'm going to be producing, I'm going to be using for personal use. He challenged this law. The case went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. And you know what the U.S. Supreme Court said? They interpreted the Commerce Clause in such a way that it was uh, interpreted beyond recognition. Essentially, they said that, yes, the, the federal government could actually regulate how much wheat a person could use for their own personal use. That was an abuse of the power of the federal government. That was far beyond what the framers intended whenever they pushed through and enacted the Constitution of the United States. That's just one example. A more recent example was an expansive view that was taken over the Commerce Clause so that the federal government could claim, and they actually did this, they said, based on the Commerce Clause, you have to buy health insurance. That's how they've interpreted the, the Commerce Clause. It's gone so beyond what the framers intended that it's beyond recognition. The other thing that this uh, uh, convention calls for is term limits. Well, a lot of people ask, well, don't we have term limits? Isn't that elections? Well, if you look at the statistics, a, person, a person's chances of being reelected to Congress is close to 100%. Close to 100%. Those, that, those are the chances that somebody's going to be reelected. And what happens is many individuals that end up going to Congress, they just stay there forever, and they don't do anything. They do, they do nothing. They, they don't do anything to limit the power and authority of the federal government. They don't put fiscal restraints on uh, how much we're spending. And that's the other thing that we need to be addressing. And that's the other thing that this proposed uh, resolution does. It puts restraints on how much we are spending. It allows us to propose a, an amendment to the Constitution that will put act, actual restraints on how much we are spending. Right now, the, the federal budget is such that 9% of everything we spend goes towards financing our debt. That's going to continue going into the future if we don't do something. The folks in, folks in Washington have, have, have done nothing to put a curb on spending. They haven't done anything. And they've just, and they've just borrowed and borrowed 
against our children, and we have to put a limitation on this. This is our chance to put a proper check on the power and authority of the federal government. And the other concern that I've heard about these proposed, uh, this proposed convention is the idea that there aren't going to be any kind of proper checks on it. Well, there are proper checks on it. The proper check is the people of West Virginia and all the other states out there that have shared values with us. And I just want to be clear with this. For any kind of amendment that gets through this convention to be passed, it has to be approved by three-fourths of the states. So that means a majority of, of states that are similarly situated and have similar values to West Virginia are going to have to approve any kind of amendments. Three-fourths. That means the vast majority of the, the states that voted for Donald Trump would have to approve of any kind of proposed amendments. That's a sufficient check. And if beyond that, beyond that, the other check that we have is the fact that the call of what this convention would be all about is right in front of you. The purpose of this proposed convention is to impose fiscal restraints, limit the power and authority and jurisdiction of the federal government, and to impose term limits. This is an incredibly important piece of uh, legislation. Right now, we are at 17 states. 17 states out there have already passed this. If we pass this, we're going to be the 18th state. So this is our chance to send a message to Congress and the federal government and the special interests in Washington that we are going to be running the show when it comes to our Constitution and how it's, it's to be interpreted. This is not about changing the Constitution. This is not about tampering with it. This is about restoring the Constitution to what the founders intended. For these reasons, I urge support for the resolution. All right, Rita, we were just listening to Representative Chris Pripp from West Virginia. As the uh, Senior Vice President for Legislative Affairs, what did you think about this speech? Two things I love about Representative Pritt's presentation. First, I love that he starts out right up front by letting his colleagues know that this is one of the most important votes they will take. And I would certainly second that. You know, a lot of measures that come before the state legislatures every year, and there are many, they are, you know, they drown in all of the um, legislation that they have to consider. But I can't think of anything more important or very few things that could be more important than the Convention of States resolution, because it really is about preserving our republic, preserving our federal system, preserving the citizens' liberties. And it's, it, it is about a long game. You know, it doesn't seem maybe urgent at the moment, but it is critical for the states to use their power and pass this resolution to preserve our republic for the future. Second thing I love about Representative Pritt's presentation, he knows his audience so well. You heard him talk at length about the Commerce Clause and how the federal government has completely overstepped its bounds with regard to the Commerce Clause. He describes the infamous case of Wickard versus Filburn, which was really used to create a loophole in the Constitution's Commerce Clause. And all of his colleagues 
can identify with this. They know what he's talking about when they hear him talk about the federal government's abuse of the Commerce Clause, because this is how the federal government regularly invades the province of the state legislatures and oversteps its bounds. Um, so he's he's describing the problem so well and describing the loopholes that have been opened in constitutional language that we now, through the states, have the opportunity to close. Great job, Representative Pritt. I thought it was excellent, too. And I, I, I like how he starts with, uh, you know, way back in history, starting in the Roosevelt administration and how it's kind of worked all the way up until now. He didn't just focus in on the present. Uh, he focused in on how it's been a continuation for many years, the federal government abusing its power. All right. The next one we have is Representative Bill Taylor from South Carolina. In my view, it's one of the most important pieces of legislation you'll ever entertain because we are at a crisis point in this country. We didn't get here just in the last few years. We got here over the last many decades. Washington is bloated, out of control, and we have the right and the ability, thanks to the Constitution and our founders in Article 5, to put a stop to it. It's the legal and lawful way to go about all of this. So. Uh, and no lecture on uh, federalism, but w we state legislators and state legislatures are supposed to be the ones that are most powerful. We gave birth to the federal government. We are the parent. They are the child. And uh, it's gotten turned around and upside down, and they're out of control, and they don't seem to want to control themselves. This isn't a, um, a red and blue issue, as some people like to make it out to be. It's a red, white, and blue issue. This isn't about Republicans and Democrats. They're all guilty up there. They're all guilty of doing all of these things to expand the federal government and encroach upon our liberty. One of the things you may hear, and about the only thing the opposition can come up with is, well, we, we, we don't want a con-con, as they like to call it, which is that's their made-up term. We don't like that because uh, you, you're going to tear up the Second Amendment. You're going to do all of these things. Well, that's just all these nonsense. Um, if you will, an amending convention of the states can only propose amendments to the Constitution. Propose it. We have a constitutional convention underway right now. It's called Congress. On an average session, they'll have 75 different proposed amendments. Well, none of them makes any, gets any real traction. But the math is on the side. So if, if a convention of states can only offer and propose amendments, once we have 34 states in Congress calls this, then it takes 38 states to ratify. We couldn't even ratify the ERA. So here's the math that I kind of like. If you have 38 states, that's 76 legislative bodies that have to agree. In the House and the Senate, except for one, unicameral, but 76. That's a high jump bar. Heck, we can't even find agreement around this joint on a lot of things that are very important to us. So 76 legislative bodies in this nation have to come together and say they agree without amending anything. So. Um, I think that's the ultimate safety valve. In other words, 13 states have veto power over anything that would be proposed. And I don't foresee anything nutty coming out of a proposed, you know, a con, uh, proposed amendments out of a convention like this. So I have no fears because the math is on our side. Um, again, I just look at us. 
we have a hard time agreeing on stuff right here. So let alone 76 different legislative bodies. I would hope that you would, uh, I know you know a lot about this, carefully consider it and pass and move this forward. We did it in the House. It took seven years to get this bill through the House of Representatives. Hopefully it won't take seven years in, in your side, your body. All right, Rita, that was Representative Bill Taylor. Uh, what did you think? Well, first of all, let me note that South Carolina got it done this year, just like West Virginia did. I should have noticed, noted that in the previous section. A um, couple of comments about this. First of all, I love the fact that he points out at the beginning, the states are supposed to be more powerful than the federal government. It was the states that created the federal government in the first place. He's highlighting the fact that what we have, as you've said before, Andrew, is a structural problem. It's not just a personnel problem. It's a structural problem. The lion's share of policymaking was always meant to be done at the state level, not in Washington, D.C., and we need to fix that. Convention of States is the way to fix it. I also love that he points out that this is not a red thing or a blue thing. Both parties are equally guilty when they're in control in D.C. of making a mess of things, overspending, overstepping their constitutional bounds. So it's a problem that is not fixed by putting one party or the other in mm -hmm. Congress. And finally, I love Representative Taylor's very logical rational response to the arguments of those who are against using Article 5 because they're afraid, you know, there's going to be a runaway or we're going to throw out the Second Amendment. Well, Representative Taylor very calmly and succinctly points out why, you know, that's just kind of ridiculous. What did you think, Andrew? Uh, I agree with you on all of those topics. And I, I really like how he calls the states, the parents, and he calls the federal government the child. And I, I, it just kind of, it brings it down to a very relatable level because as we heard Representative Bill Taylor, he's a very eloquent and he's a very statesman-like person, but he's also able to bring it down to just kind of relatable, a relatable issue. States are the parents and the federal government is the child and the child is out of control and it's up to the parents. It's their responsibility to be good parents and bring the federal government back into control. So I did like that part. Again, everything he, he he's just got a, a very calm, measured way of speaking. I love listening to Representative Bill Taylor. I thought it was very excellent. We have one last one, Rita. We have Senator Steve Holleran from Nebraska. For the Nebraska State Legislature's consideration, I'm proposing adopting LR14, which calls for the state of Nebraska to call for a limited Article 5 Convention of States which would discuss and potentially propose amendments to the U.S. Constitution. This call will be limited to the following areas. One, impose fiscal restraints on the federal government. Two, limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government. And three, limit the terms of office for individuals, officials, and members of Congress. For those of you familiar with Article 5 in our national constitution, Two-thirds of the states, that's 34 states, will be required to call with matching resolutions to LR14 to successfully meet the constitutional requirements to convene a convention of states. 
15 state legislators have thus far called for utilizing the opportunity the constitutional authors purposely vested in the states to call for a convention through adoption of resolutions identical to LR 14. And an additional 26 states had this call for a convention under consideration. Bear in mind, for any proposed amendments resulting from a convention of states to officially become an amendment to our Constitution, it would be necessary for three-fourths of the states, that's 38 states, to ratify said proposed amendments. Only after reaching that high threshold of three-fourths approval of, by states will it become an amendment to our Constitution. To set the tone for this conversation, I wish to make it perfectly clear that neither Congress nor a convention of states can amend the U.S. Constitution. Let me repeat that. Neither Congress or a convention of states can amend the U.S. Constitution. Article 5 makes that abundantly clear. That is a fact. Both Congress and the convention of states have only the constitutional authority to propose amendments. Put, in other words, both are merely suggestion boxes with only the authority to suggest or propose amendments. Nothing more, nothing less. That is a fact. The framers of the Constitution made it abundantly clear that only after a proposed amendment was ratified by three-fourths of the states would it officially be an amendment to our Constitution. Only the states ultimately have the constitutional authority to add an amendment through the ratification process. Congress cannot do it by itself. A convention of states cannot do it by itself. The states have to ratify it. So when opponents of LR-14 express fear of a runaway convention, they are making a misguided and misleading argument against the convention of states. Because a convention of states cannot amend, they can only propose amendments. The states must ratify. Consequently, when the opponents of an Article 5 Convention of States introduces fear, uncertainty, and doubt, they should shift their argument to a fear of a ratification process. There is only one notable historical record of the states making a ratification misjudgment by ratifying the 18th Amendment prohibition. After a brief era of prohibition, Congress proposed the 21st Amendment, repealing the 18th Amendment. Over three-fourths of the states then ratified the 21st Amendment. This should be comforting to see that there is a means of making a correction if the country opposes a new amendment. There have been 33 proposed amendments to the U.S. Constitution. 27 of those proposed amendments have been ratified by a minimum of three-fourths of the states. Six proposed amendments were not ratified. The ratification process works. I look forward to a productive factual debate. I will attempt to answer questions factually, diving into the history of what motivated the framers of the Constitution to give states equal footing with Congress in proposing amendments to the Constitution through Article 5. One minute. My goal is to present arguments based upon facts, not speculation. A friend of mine re recently introduced to me a new acronym. FUD. For the transcribers, transcribers that's F-U-B. Excuse me, F-U-D. I, I fubbed up. Which stands for fear, 
uncertainty, and doubt. He explained to me that people who have few or no facts to defend their argument will instead introduce FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. I would prefer those who wish to oppose LR14 to also debate with facts and not present arguments based upon hypothetical speculation of what might or might not happen in the Convention of States is called. In closing, Congress needs to have a constitutional guardrails to keep our spiraling debt in balance with our economy's ability to pay for it. Colleagues, I ask for your support of LR14. Thank you, Mr. President. Rita, we were just listening to Senator Steve Holleran from Nebraska, another state that passed the CRS resolution. What did you think of his speech? I thought it was masterful, Andrew. I particularly loved the part where he says, neither Congress nor a convention can amend the Constitution. And, you know, as everyone's ears are perking up like, what? I thought that's what this was all about, amending the Constitution. He says it again. Neither Congress nor a convention can amend the Constitution. What? And then he explains, under Article 5, all that Congress can do, all that a convention of states can do, is propose amendments. And then the states ultimately decide through the ratification process. And I just think that is brilliant because if you talk to people about a convention of states, including a lot of state legislators, what you'll get back from them is that they have this idea in their head that these people go to a convention and what's going to come out is this new constitution that we all have to live under, you know, or new amendments that we all have to live under. And that's not how it works. The only thing Congress or the convention can do is to propose amendments for consideration by the states. I want to say one other thing about Senator Halloran, and um, he is just a champion, as all these legislators have been for years for Convention of States. But Senator Halloran, I know, having worked directly with um, Nebraska, he really put it all on the line for Convention of States. Over the course of a couple of years, he used a lot of his own political capital in order to get Convention of States prioritized. And, you know, I, we don't have time right now to go through everything that he did procedurally that ended up in the passage of our resolution in Nebraska but it was amazing to watch. And you can see if you, if you knew everything that he did, how strongly he believes in what we're doing and how convicted he is about its importance for the future of our country. And so, you know, in kind of summarizing, because I know this is the last one, um, I think it's so funny that we did this today because I was re very recently at a dinner and I was seated next to someone who clearly wasn't really a believer in convention of states. Um, and he's a person, you know, who is an influencer. And at one point he said to me, I just don't see anybody out there these days who is the caliber of James Madison or George Washington. Do you? And I looked him dead in the eye, Andrew, and I said, yes, actually I do. Mm -hmm. I see them and work with them 
all the time. And it is absolutely true. So for everyone watching, I want you to know that there are real statesmen out there still. They are in your state legislatures. You can find them. There are people out there who are ready to stand on principle and do what needs to be done to restore our republic. So I just want you to be encouraged by that. Andrew, final thoughts from you? Yeah, so I, I did love how he talked about Congress and convention of states can't amend. And then he called it a suggestion box. I love how he, that, that language saying it's a suggestion box because what's so scary about a suggestion box. And so, like you said, it was masterful how he brought in these different uh, examples to kind of uh, take away the fear of calling a convention. And I thought it was just really done really well. He also brought up the, uh, uh, the prohibition amendment and how that was a bad amendment, wasn't very good, and how it was able to get rescinded later on through the 21st Amendment. And so I liked how he really took away the, uh, the fear by bringing up these various examples and really making it, um, I think, easy for his fellow, uh, his fellow legislators to, to sign on to this, to pass this uh, resolution. So I did love that part. Uh, Rita, that uh, every single legislator that we listened to, like you said, they they were just they're excellent, and their speeches were wonderful, and they are champions for our cause. They're champions for we the people, and they're champions for the process. And we love hearing from our champions. So, with that though, we're going to go to our Article Five trivia giveaway answer with COS Vice President Mike Ruthenberg. Mike, back to you. Thank you, Andrew and Rita. You know, it's such an important show to talk about our unheralded statesmen because I don't know about you, but I do have personal communication with the elected official in my state. My state is far easier. How difficult is it when so many people to be able to have access to that? It's one of the reasons why we want those people representing us because we have access to them. We can hold them much more accountable than we can our federally elected officials. So now let's go back to our trivia question. You probably recall the question on September 25th, 1789, Congress used Article 5 of the Constitution to propose what would later be called or dubbed our Bill of Rights. How many states or amendment proposals did Congress send out for ratification? The answer, of course, is 12 more than the Bill of Rights. The 10 that were ratified, Articles 3 through 12, were ratified as additions to the Constitution on December 15, 1791, and became Amendments 1 through 10 of our Constitution. Of course, we know that there are 27 amendments to this date to our Constitution. Article 2 of that package became part of the Constitution on May 5, 1992. That's a lot of years later as the 27th Amendment, our last current amendment, which forbids Congress from raising their own pay before the next election. Article 1 is still pending before the states, and if ratified, that amendment would ensure that each member of Congress would not represent more than 50,000 Americans, which is pretty key, especially given what's going on right now. Can you imagine the size of our Congress if this is ratified? Currently, the average congressperson represents about 750,000 Americans. Do you think that'll 
get ratified. And that's the precedent that if and when the Convention of States proposes a package of amendments, they will be ratified by the states individually, just like the Bill of Rights. What a great safety valve that is. Again, if you didn't win, if you weren't the first one to come up with that, you didn't get the shirt, just go to shopconventionofstates.com, pick up anything you want, and you'll be just like me, walking and talking with the cool Convention of States tags that you're wearing. Back to you, Andrew and Rita. Thanks, Mike. We do this show every week to reach, teach, and activate Americans with the constitutional empowerment gifted to we the people. If you're ready to take your place in our movement to restore the republic, go to conventionofstates.com and click the Take Action tab to get started. Make sure that you follow Convention of States on Rumble, MeWe, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Parler, Truth Social, and Instagram. You can listen to this and other historic legacy content from our podcast. Just search Convention of States uh, wherever you podcast from. Uh, you can text START to 54555 if you want to receive important news and updates related to Convention of States. Again, that's START to 54555. Check out The Battle Cry with CUS President Mark Meckler every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll see you next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of CUS Live. We've got a country to save, so let's get back to work. This has been the podcast version of COS Live. Check out more content at conventionofstates.com slash pod. Thank you for listening.